Hello and welcome to the Codex Moments podcast. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. This is this is nice. I like it. We say that because it's only two of us. It's been a very long while since it was just the two of us, I think. I know. It's kind of weird, but yeah, you know, it's all right. It is. It is. Ali's on holiday. Uh, he decided to go and sun himself and drink himself into a stupor for a couple of weeks. And we decided after the fact that, what did we hit? Nearly 20 million listens last week uh, on our podcast, making us arguably Ed. the most popular podcast in the world. Yeah, I mean, I was... better put out some more content. I was impressed with that. Uh, apparently, you think it was an error. I, I, <laughs> I wish it wasn't. I wish it was true. <laughs> Are you suggesting those 20 million listens in one week wasn't real? No, sadly not. It's uh, I, I suspect it's probably the same people commenting on the Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts YouTube video that's <laughs> been posted this week. It, it might be. We definitely didn't pay for those listens, though. Uh, no, so... <laughs> Sorry, anyway, right, I digress. I'm Andy Brown, uh, at Andy on Twitter, and with me today is Dr. Matthew Holt. Hello. So yeah, we're we're here to talk all things, and we mean all things, this could get quite spoilery, but we're here to talk about Control, Remedy's latest game. Yeah. Yeah, we are. It came out, oh, it was about five weeks ago now, I think. Yeah, well, it, it was long enough for me to have finished it, so yeah. <laughs> Arguably. So it came out three years ago, and we finally... No, it's been out about five weeks, and that's actually a testament to the type of game it is and how compelling it is, is that you have actually finished it. Yeah. Without taking the f- too much, that's quite a rarity for you and I'm at still, the moment. And I'm still playing it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, hitting the end game content and then going on to the next part. So we thought, Ali's on holiday, he hasn't played it yet, he's not too bothered, he doesn't listen to the podcast when he's not on it, so, let's go for it. Let's talk all about control. Oh, where should we start? Start at the beginning. Okay. So, you're... This- I'm just <laughs> testing your memory to see if you remember how it started. Because it's actually quite unassuming, isn't it? The initial premise and, and concept, it's just it's, wandering to an office building. It's really it's really nice, and it? it doesn't... It, yeah, it doesn't really read you in, does it? You're just, you're just kind of there, and everything you pick up is through the game and so much yes. of what you pick up of the story is down to you to pick up and read and take out if, if you're the kind of person who who doesn't like scouring through the in-game documents and you know listening to the the audio logs that you discover and watching videos uh it's probably probably not for you but if you are and i am it's <laughs> it's lovely and it's done really nicely because it doesn't it doesn't spoon feed it to you. It's just, it feels like a real office, like a real place you could go to and work in and you discover stuff as you go through and you backtrack through areas when your access gets improved. So all of the documents and all of the things you find, there's no logical order to it. And I don't know if you've ever played a game True. where you get the impression that every time you pick up a document, it's just giving you like the next page of the story no matter where you find said document this one no no you you go to places you find various different things and both matt and i had discussions about various documents that one or the other of us hadn't found and we were like oh i didn't know no that's interesting yeah oh oh, wow that fills in that blank and everything's so heavily redacted as well that's 
probably the fun thing about it, isn't it? Because you're in this Federal Bureau of Control. Yeah. It's meant to be a government organisation. And because of that, they cannot reveal most of what they do. So the first few documents I think you pick up, you, you're barely really you reading a, everything. It's just, just haven't got bars a clue. everywhere. Yeah. You fill in so much of the story in your head. And then you kind of piece various bits of it together like a puzzle as you go through and pick up the, the documents. Not literally like a puzzle as in, you know, a, a meta game, as in just in your head. You've got, this is a cerebral game. If you want to understand the story, you've got to actually think about it. And you really do have to read all the documents and everything. But that said, yes, they're really fun. <laughs> they're really good fun. Such It's just such great dynamic storytelling. And this feels like a really odd tangent to have gone off on in the first like five minutes of talking about it the does, game, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but it, just to get it out there, this is a game you actually really have to think about, and and even if you're given all the pieces, you you probably still, you know, twenty percent of it you you might have to do on your own. Yeah, I th- I think that's fair. There's a there's a lot of it, and like you said, because it's so fun. You don't actually mind, and you find yourself... I don't know how you did it. I don't know if you eagerly read everything as soon as you picked it up. I tended to wait until an appropriate point, usually at the point where I was going to stick the machine into rest mode uh, and go to bed. But I would I would usually go, I'm just going to read everything I've picked up before I do that, though. And you'd spend maybe 20 or 30 minutes going through everything, uh, because there is a lot. There are hundreds of collectibles. Yeah. But you you just keep going through it. And because I wasn't doing them at the time of picking them up, I was discovering things about something I'd maybe done two hours before and not really thought about. Or instances like we had the conversation about the post-it note room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I found, only found the document for that about, in real world time, about three or four days after I discovered the room. And that suddenly explained why I've walked into this level two room that is floor to ceiling, ceiling walls, everything in post-it notes. And you're reading it going, yeah, I like that touch. Yeah, that That's sense. lovely. Yeah, It throws that much extra detail at you from the documents. And the vi- I love the videos. They remind me, they remind me of Lost and the Dharma Initiative. Well, it's kind of, it, it, it obviously... You know, take some cues from Quantum Break, and it, Remedy. Remedy are good at this. They're good at this kind of world building. Uh, you look at Alan Wake and Quantum Break, and they they do this. But with Quantum Break, uh, and it's been years since I played Alan Wake, so I can't really remember it that well. But with, certainly with Quantum Break, it was very linear, and mm. you pick up the documents, and it just felt like okay i'm filling it in but by the end of the game you're just like i just want to get through this now and i'm I'm not really paying much attention to these with this because there's such a a kind of key part to it and because the game is not linear by any stretch of the imagination it just makes it more interesting it's it's probably the only game in recent years when i have meticulously read every single thing i've picked up when i've picked it up Mm. that became a key part of the gameplay for me and I actually looked forward to finding more documents and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, this is this is quite a nerdy game in that respect. It is, it is, and there's an awful lot that's done through the environment as well. I mean, we yeah, we we started with the main character walking into the lobby and then shot off somewhere completely different about the tangent but but actually that first moment that she walks in and in effect she's just trying to find there's nobody at reception is there so she's just off up the stairs 
lifts a lockdown. There doesn't seem to be anything going on. Uh, and she's tr- she's gone for a job interview, hasn't she? She's the janitor, I think it is. Is the, and the janitor's assistant, yeah. She discovers the janitor backing one of the floors or mop, you know, buffing one of the floors. I think she does, doesn't she, at that point? Yeah. And then carries on walking back to the beginning, back to the lobby, and everything's not everything. There are a couple of subtle changes, including well, a lift appearing from nowhere. Well, no, you, you, um, I still, well, what it, what it was for me, uh, it was you, you meet the janitor and then you carry on walking forwards in the direction you were heading originally. And then you come back to where you were through the door you went through. And there's just that moment of, hold on, have I, have I backtracked? Here and I actually turned around and went all the way back and thought, no, I have literally just come through the same door. How is that possible? <laughs> and you start to realise at that point that this building's a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, and that's in the first or oh, three minutes, <laughs> three pretty minutes. much. And it does set up that that is what you're going to see for the entire yeah. game, and that arguably the star of the game is not the main character; it's the building, because it just does some really weird but funky things and there's some brilliant transitional stuff that they use and some great concepts that just leave you wrong-footed most of the time yeah it's lovely and uh, i think it's it's a bold it's a bold opening gambit of a game when within you know literally five minutes of walking into a building that you essentially have no idea about somewhat explained away by the the kind of in-game concept that this is you know, the building hides its existence from the rest of the world and thus the, the mm. Federal Bureau of Control is pretty much no one's ever heard of it. You, you walk in and within five minutes, you're the director of the Federal Bureau of Control and it doesn't even feel massively contrived. <laughs> you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. It doesn't. Sure. And it's the acceptance of everybody that you meet that you are the director as well. Nobody questions it. Okay. Okay, and that feels weird for about 30 minutes, and you're like, okay, I'm getting into this now. You're made the director of the FPC because, you know, the previous director is indisposed. You walk out of the office, and there's been his picture on the walls. Yeah. Everywhere, and you walk out of the office, and then suddenly it's your picture hanging on the wall, and you're like, oh my god, this is freaky. It is. It's it's those little things and like I say, you don't get challenged about it. Nobody queries it because everybody you're encountering has worked there for a while and knows about the Bureau of Control or the oldest house and knows that the directors are selected, which is the process you have gone through right at the beginning. And, and so we're, what, 10 minutes in now? Yes. <laughs> completely confused, no idea what's happening, except maybe we just have to go and find our brother and rescue him and and get out. And it just goes from there, doesn't it? Yeah, it all gets a bit weird. You said it's um it's a far from linear game. I think it is quite a linear game. It is very much you need to go here and do this. You I mean, tend to have full access to everywhere. Certainly but you can only execute the story in a particular order. Certainly in the first couple of hours that's that's the case. But as you get in you do open up more areas, and you can do more things in parallel. You get a few side quests that you can head away on and, and those bits and pieces, but it, it does sort of drive you in a particular way a lot of the time, um, okay. I found. Although it doesn't tell you 
exactly where to go, does it? No, and and I think that's one of the um, that's one of the really nice touches to it, or, or lack of touches. There's no there's no HUD. There's no checkpointing or way markers essentially in in that respect that we've got all got so used to you're given a map which quite frankly isn't a huge amount of help no exactly it can be more confusing because it's just a 2d map for a 3d space and also for some reason remarkably slow to load in when you try and when you try and pop it over don't if you experience that on on the ps4 pro you'd press the map button and like the gen the general outline of the map would appear and a about six or seven seconds later, the map would suddenly pop in. You'd be like, what's causing the issue? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it will be tied if you attempted to load the map after you press the pause button to unpause it. That, <laughs> for, I think that's when it kicks the autosave in, and that, oh, that was a grind fest. It's been patched a couple of times since I last played it, but I don't think it's completely eliminated those weird stutters and performance hiccups. Which yeah, is yeah. A every bit time, strange, particularly on the map. Every time you unpause, you do you do get like a just a, a slowdown, don't you? Yeah, um, it is it's strange. Now, it's widely reported the slowdown during the combat on virtually every platform, and there is, and I sort of understand why because there's a lot in play. There's a lot of particle effects going yeah. on in this. There's a lot of objects. There's all there's all sorts happening. Which, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Some of the most fun moments is when you you do get into a fight and accidentally trigger an explosion, and suddenly you've got chairs and desks and papers flying all over the place, and it's just chaos. But it's really lovely chaos. Looks good, and uh, apparently the Xbox One X is the is, if you have a choice, that's the platform to go for. With the Pro having a few more performance issues, but still quite playable, and then the the kind of standard PS4 and the Xbox One S um, struggling a little with it, I think, is is it's probably been patched out now and it's better, but there's a really nice digital foundry piece on. Yeah, that on was the on the launch version, wasn't it? Yeah, the differences between the platforms and, and also just a little bit about the um, the technical aspects of how the game presents itself and uh, the resolution and stuff. So I, I would advise you to go and look at that because it would be able to give you a lot more information than I would. It is lovely looking. It's brilliantly detailed for what is um a boring environment i don't think there's any way around it is it apart just, from the weird yeah. and funky stuff that the building does because it it shifts its shape it's it's been taken over by the hiss which has corrupted elements of it and f- almost forced it and stopped it from shaping itself correctly but it does just trip off into different dimensions at points doesn't it very much so uh, but you know it's <laughs> at its core it's 70s brutalism at its best and it's really nice to play a game in that kind of that kind of because you just i haven't i haven't played a game in that kind of environment before it's it's actually really refreshing it's not it's not generic military complex and if you like gray it's uh it's a lovely color palette yeah it's got that it has got that kind of <laughs> slightly slightly stonewashed <laughs> consistency it's good. It is, oh, I really, I'm really enjoying. I'm really enjoying the game. I would, I would say that in terms of the, um, it's got some really interesting characters in, and I, I got the feeling like I didn't know if I could trust Pope. If I'm honest, yeah, she just seemed a bit too enthusiastic about things. Yes, but then they all kind of. I think it's because 
she's one of the first ones you meet when it's when you're not settled with the character or the game. And I think we're so ingrained that she's got to be up to no good because she's too helpful. Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. Yeah. And actually, by the time you're getting towards the end of the game, you have you've have realised, yes, there's that total acceptance. And it never explicitly says it, and I don't know if it's in there anywhere, but the way that the building works, I almost think that has something to do with people accepting you. Or the astral plane does anyway, the the board in the astral plane, the, the mysterious... The upside-down pyramid. Yeah. They, they are... Well, you, you don't obviously ever see them, you just hear them. Or an interpretation of them, even it's uh, it's it, it's high high sci-fi concept, isn't it? That that realm. Yeah, it's a very stylish game. I like I, I like the fact that you know because the one thing I found about Quantum Break was it was it was kind of generic. It was an uh, it was an all right third person cover shooter with mm. some interesting time mechanics thrown in, but I, I, it never. It was kind of fun, but it never, it never really hit a maximum. It never really kind of ticked all the boxes for me. But this feels better. The powers, uh, the combination of the way the weapons work and the powers, is really nice because you can't, you can't just spam one of them. The way they've kind of balanced them. Yeah, I like the way there's no ammo. It's all a recharge yeah. in effect, uh, and so you you have a number of shots and you've got to meter it out and measure it that way, but then you're not having to hunt for ammo either, and yes, the powers do really complement it, and you find yourself using them an awful lot you're not just heavily reliant on your pistol, although that is your, your main way of taking enemies out the The combat itself is a third person combat game it's, it works it's not the best in the world but I think that's because you you are supposed to train yourself to use the powers rather than just run around gunning people. You you are yeah. supposed to think more tactically about encounters. That doesn't mean that at times it feels a little bit unfair uh, with some of the enemy types who are a little too accurate or able to track you in ways that they, you can't track them. But you sort of get used to it. You have a couple of moments yeah. of frustration but it never takes too long to get back into it. Checkpointing is pretty good, as that, long as you've activated your checkpoint. Oh, which is the so the the control points that you can kind of free up and um, yes, and then they act as your your, your basically a respawn point, aren't they? Yeah, and a fast travel and upgrade station, and they kind of multifunction, aren't they? Really, and they're dotted all over the place, so you you're never too far from accessing anything like that and enjoying it to its its extent but there, yeah there are a couple of encounters where you just like i've had enough in, in fairness the worst encounters the most difficult one i found of two in in general uh side missions the side missions are yeah. harder than the main game yeah that's true yeah you've got to go and um kind of stop these objects of power haven't you that are have yeah. gone rogue that are just basically going crazy and hurting people or creating weird you know just trying to kill you essentially throwing clocks at you yeah. i never thought i never thought i would sit here and say yeah i really enjoy that game where that monster threw a clock at me <laughs> this is it this is such a it has such bizarre scenarios doesn't it these the the idea that the mystical power of some description has infested an everyday object yeah. to do something strange 
and it's not all necessarily lethal either. Some of them are just weird. But the poor guy who's in the panopticon where they store <laughs> all these objects, who's just been staring at a fridge. Just uh, essentially it's, shift. It's like it's like the um it's just like the <laughs> the weeping angel of the fridge world. It is essentially. It? And he's just he's not I, I, it, you're almost getting the feeling he's not even blinked for like 24 hours. He's just staring at the fridge. And by the time you finally unlock the door, you open it up and there's just a bloody smear. <laughs> it's yeah, it was it's nicely done. The the fact that the the guy's last words when you you have to walk through you have to walk through a side room to get to him, and at which point yeah. he is out of your vision for all of a few seconds, and the last words you hear are, Jesse, the fridge is doing something weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something like that. It's brilliant. Yeah, really funny. Oh, it's, it, it's like, yeah, we, the, the baby carriage, the Chinese lantern that you come across. There's, there's a rubber duck somewhere. It's, oh, do you know, it's, it, never have I played a game where I've seen a rubber duck or an old-fashioned, like, well, it's a jukebox, and thought... I hope I get to have a boss fight with that later. <laughs> it was uh, uh, Gordon Freeman's crowbar. Yes. He's in one of the cells, isn't it? And they've got some really nice touches and things and nods to other games. And, in fact, it looked and, like the um, it looked like the same style of pram, that kind of classic silver cross thing. You know, you see in Ghostbusters and the Untouchables. Yes, yes. it is exactly that, isn't it? But the the dotted all over. So you've got the dangerous ones that are locked up, and then you get other ones that are just around that they're experimenting with. Um, there's the look room, isn't there? Did now? There's, did you solve which are dedicated to lucky items? Did you solve the puzzle? No. So you see, and this is what I love about this game because you can so interact with all the lucky items. Yeah. So if you if you go into the luck room. Have a yeah. look on the board, and there's basically if you if you spend long enough looking at the whiteboard in the actual luck room with the roulette wheel. Did you go in the with the roulette wheel? Yes. Right, because again, and this is this is what the game does really well. Okay, is it has lots of it's got lots of side rooms that you don't need to go in. You you can complete the game. There's there's at least three or four significant areas that I can think of being the one down the pit that we were talking about the other day. Yes. The the mirror. Yes. Oh, God, what was the other one? I was... Th- well, the, the whole anchor thing with the clocks. You don't have to go back there. The, f- the fridge, essentially, is another one, you know. Yeah. There's whole areas which are either side quests or they're not even side quests that are just... They're just there. They're just off somewhere. And later on, you go back and you think, oh, "Did I go down there?" And you go back, and there's a whole new portion of the game to play that is no way connected to the story, but is actually like an interesting, whole interesting portion that you need to go yeah. and learn about or find out about. And the luck puzzle was a bit like that. So it, it that was one area. You go in reasonably early in the game, and there's a, like a high level locked door. So you think, "Oh well, I must be coming back there later." No, don't take it for granted. There's there's a whole slew of areas in this game that are locked off early on that you just don't need to go back to. They're just mm. bits and giggles, absolutely. And the luck room is one of those. It's got this. You can go back and there's a roulette table with like a camera over it, and on the whiteboard behind the roulette table, there's like a, a load of things that have been either ticked off or crossed off. And if you if you sit there, you can work out they're doing an experiment in luck. 
Mm. And if you, you if you go and follow the criteria, so some of them are saying, right, you know, use the use the magic cat, um, make sure the horseshoes are a particular way around. You can work out the combination from the whiteboard, and when you get it right, you unlock a special gold suit. Oh, yeah, by playing the roulette table, and it's something bizarre. Like you've got to, um, you've, you've got to, the horseshoes have got to be the right way around. The cat's got to be moving. Uh, the elephant shouldn't be uh, too. Oh, that's it. The elephant shouldn't be being knocked by the um, by the Newton's cradle next to yeah. it but the other newton's cradle should be moving uh and oh and you've got to you've got to put the gold fish within a certain amount of distance of the roulette table something like two or three feet <laughs> and then and then you've got to start it but not be stood on the red carpet when it goes and if you do all those things it will land on number seven and you'll unlock this suit and if if you get it wrong something will explode in the room like a fire extinguisher will, will blow up or the or the the sprinklers will go off, so you know that you're you're on the right track. But yeah, really, really weird. That took me a long time of trial and error because I was like, there must be something to this. I want to get clearly. I've got to get number seven, and I keep getting number eight. So what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I, w- I went to uh, I went into the look room, but like I said, because the high locked off door, I I hadn't been back because you probably visit that within the first third of the game. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, I. I yeah, well, because there's hidden rooms. There are hidden areas. I think I oh, found yeah. three hidden rooms during my entire playthrough, and with a bit of exploration after. Yeah, I only found the one, which is like the one in the middle of the um, you know the power plant where you can climb right the way to the very top uh, when you when you unlock your levitate skill. Yes, yes. There's so that's um, the only one I found. There's one um, where there's uh, it's almost like um, a giant turntable in the middle of the room to to mm. swap tracks round for a, a trolley system, uh, and when you first enter that and end up on the trolley system, if you look up and behind you, there's a room with a glass oh, window okay. up there, like an observation room that if you go up and smash the glass, you can get in. Uh, so there's just there's all sorts hidden away, tons of stuff that I know I will have missed. There's the, and I think it was probably fairly late on in the game, but there's one of the areas you visit, and I, I forget which area it is, which is why I've not gone back to it. But the you enter the room as if it's a normal one, and then then the floor and everything just twists and looks as if oh, it's yeah. heading off to infinity. Is that, is that like and the archive or something? It might be. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, oh, I want to run down there. But I got distracted by an enemy in the main story, and I never did it. And I've never gone I, back to have a go because I can't remember how I got there in the first place. I, I did it, and can I tell you what happens? You, you hit a dead end. No, you you run if you go on one side. So you run on one side, okay, of the room. So it's yeah. kind of there's stuff in the middle of the room. So it's kind of divided. There's corridors on either side. Yes. And if you run up the corridor, the room goes all wonky and twirls around you, and you you kind of stay the right way up but everything kind of morphs around you, and then you suddenly realise you're running down the other side and you come out the <gasps> corridor on the other side. Oh, no. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, really well done. It, it's those kind of environmental shifts that I really liked. The uh, the, the one, the first time you experience it, it's um, you, you'll be exploring the oldest house and you'll come across a dead end. And you'll be able to see where you need to go to, but you can't get to it. It's empty, but there's just a light switch. And uh, a little notice board telling you that the light switch is there. 
and it's a conduit, isn't it? It's a conduit to the motel. Yeah. Which is like an intermediary place for teleportation. It's really strange and really nicely done. And you pull the light switch once and the lights go off. And you pull it again and the lights come back up. And you pull it again and everything goes off and you're in somewhere completely different. It's yeah. but it's done in a split second of pulling that cord and it's timed so brilliant you just go, What the f happened there? Yeah. And then you keep doing that and you go back to that place and you get used to the fact that for some reason you need to pull the cord three times to make it work. It's There's like a rule of threes in one of the documents then, very early later, on, isn't there? Well, I, I found it I found it after I'd been in there a few times and it was suddenly explained that it's, it's basically an OCD thing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. why it works. And you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really awesome. It's very clever the way it ties in folklore and um yeah. people's kind of obsessive compulsive nature and stuff like that and and explains a lot of the weird things in there through just human nature very yeah. interesting it is uh it is brilliant the the furnace it might well be one of the first side missions that you find the furnace that's um possessed is the best word and you have to feed it <laughs> which is it's not i was brilliant I went in and yeah. I was expecting a boss fight, and it was nope, no. just feeding a furnace, toxic yeah. waste. <laughs> okay, uh, the like the break room just round from the first janitor's office when you have your first proper conversation with the weird as he's mad as a box of frogs janitor. Oh, he's like from is he from is he Norwegian or from Finland? No, or he's Finnish. He's Finnish. Finnish. Yeah. yeah. He's 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 superb because he he quite clearly is an otherworldly entity. He's not a janitor. He knows the secrets. He knows what that place is, and he he conveys a lot of it to you through the course of the game in in just a very normal, natural way. He speaks to you. So just down from his office, where you've spent your time talking to him, is a break room with the odd, weird, red flashing light, and you're told there's something a bit strange in there. Uh, and I don't know about you. I don't know how you actually discovered it. I was just in the room, sort of walking around, thinking, "Well, what what are they on about?" I don't get this. And all of a sudden, floor disappears beneath me, plunging downwards, um, and have to get to a rocking horse. Yeah. If, was it was it a rocking horse or was it like a um? Is it a fairground? Oh, it's a fairground horse. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like a carousel. It's same. Oh, yeah, it same was, and you're just like, how have I ended up here? And then you fall back into the room, and you're like, what? is going on that that playing with space and reality uh anytime it throws you into the astral plane yeah that kind of stuff is just so well done it's so disturbing but cool at the same time i ashtray maze <laughs> we're getting into proper 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 spoiler territory now we haven't actually ruined the story we've just spoiled some of the missions so far but this one's probably the biggest one yet isn't it the ashtray maze, I sent you a message after you did. I'd done that. Yeah. So there's a point in the game where you have to reach a certain area, uh, and I'm only saying certain because I can't remember what area you have to reach, but the only way to get to it, it might be the archive. Was the uh, archive no. on the side of the ashtray maze? Uh, no, it was um, uh, dimensional research. Ah, right. Ah, yeah. That one makes sense. So you head to the ashtray maze, and it's like a... Oh, a 60s hotel corridor yeah that is a that is a very good description of it except as you as you walk in through what is called a fire break which is essentially just a void 
with a walkway over nothing and huge, like, massive black rock slab doors that open before you in a very, very imposing, in a very imposing yes. way. And it's all very grand and dramatic. And then you're in this, this 60s or 70s hotel corridor with, with like, just an observation room next to you. And you're like, this is weird. <laughs> it's got weird again. And you uh, you try to walk down it, and um, within like two turns of a corridor, you're back at the start. Yeah, and no matter no matter what happens, you're always back at the start. Yeah, you can't get through, uh, and you, you're just a bit stuck, aren't you? And then yep. you you do you discover the document that tells you about it. It's part. It's yeah, like so, a, it's a message yeah. for the cleaners, isn't it? That you find, and you have to then go and find the janitor to yep. to get his help. Uh, because it turns out you actually need you need headphones and music to to be able to trans- traverse the maze. The janitor <laughs> is is cry- where is he's like on the foundations of the universe or something. It is so unbelievably abstract that place. He's on holiday in essentially yeah. what is what is the FBC's basement, which is also presumably the the outer fringes of another dimension. I'm not entirely sure of the logistics of it but he's yeah, yeah. he's he's on his holly he's, bobs he's yeah. there and you head down and he gives you his walkman and his headphones so and you go back <laughs> you go back to the ashtray maze and you fight your way through it with essentially a thrashing metal soundtrack <laughs> it is so out of character to the rest of the game and it's because amazing. it's not your grey brick walls <laughs> it's not your red hiss all over the place as it, as it is. You're not your floating bodies anywhere. It's just this 70s hotel corridor that keeps shifting space and level and and you move. You do not stop through that section, do you? You just keep no. going and the music fits perfectly. It pumps you all the way through and you get out and I probably sat there and went, that was cool and I messaged you. Yeah. And as I'm doing that, Jesse Fader goes, well, that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> they captured the feeling within the character of what you're feeling, and at that point, you're just going, "Yeah, they nailed this game. Absolutely nailed it for me." It's interesting because you often you often say, or, or a lot of games have a mute protagonist because you know it, it enables the player to truly have immersion and and feel you know empathy with the character and stuff like that. This game is completely the opposite. Jesse is actually by the time you've got through she's a reasonably well-rounded character you know a fair bit about her and what's gone on through the various documents and through the things that she said and through the the kind of narrative construct where you you start to realize that you are perhaps this other entity that lives within her that was the feeling i got but actually it worked really well because yeah like you said she's reacting to stuff in exactly the same way you are which is this kind of incredulous like what the f- <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i don't think we've had a podcast for a while with so many beeps in it uh but generally no. that's that's like 90 percent of this game what the f- is going on yeah it's really actually like so here's the other thing because we were saying earlier about the the design and the start of it there's a lot of games where you might have clipping issues or you know various janky issues and you think oh this is just this is a bit poorly done and this game, I had moments where I'd walk into a room and something would 
fly off a desk. Yeah. And or something weird would happen. In any other game you'd think, oh, it's a clipping issue or it's some kind of collision detection issue. In this game you think, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> what? And, oh, oh my and, god. <laughs> and it is, it'll have just been the room loading in when you've walked into it. But you you are going it, it it unsettles you and unnerves you. There's it's the the fact that you've got bodies ten fifteen feet in the air floating, constantly whispering at you, uh, because yeah. that's what the hiss does. It it takes over people. Uh, it's not always aggressive, and that's what's floating around. And it's just this rambling stream of consciousness, isn't it? And it's very very unsettling. Yeah. So if the, if it does glitch slightly and throw a window blind up or do something that any other game would look weird, it just feels this, right. It fits perfectly. It does. <laughs> yeah, it it's, really does. It, oh, it just feels so, right. It's so well done to disguise its own flaws. We've, you mentioned it a few minutes back, but the entity that travels with Jesse. So we've not actually we've not actually touched on that. And Jesse actually is, in theory, from the game, inhabited by an entity that she picked up at a, uh, an altered world event when she was a kid, uh, when her brother was taken, uh, and it is it, this entity has been travelling with her, and it never speaks. You occasionally get sort of flashes of a kaleidoscopic pattern which indicates it's communicating with Jesse. Yeah. But you don't actually you don't actually ever hear it, but she has that conversation and, and she also she sounds out how she's feeling against it. And it can't kinda of lead you to believe that the entity is the one with the powers and Jesse is, you know, just just helping it maybe get home. Uh, that's that's kind of the kind of the vibe that's going on while she's looking for her brother. That doesn't quite pan out. Do we want to go into major spoiler? Yeah, piece? I mean, I, uh, we're yeah. we're going to call it so, a spoiler cast. So I think we should probably yeah. absolutely ruin it for anybody who's made it this far. Yeah. So if you've not played it and really are not put off already, here we go. That entity, as far as the game is concerned, dies. It kind of just disappears, and Jesse's left alone for the first time in decades. 15 years? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 20 years? Yeah, it's like and 20 years. I don't know about you. It was it was actually, surprisingly, for for a mute protagonist, really sad. We've got no connection to to that entity at all. It was all Jesse's. It was also really, really interesting, a really interesting part of the game because you're kind of sent back and it's the one part of the game I've thought that, that could have been done differently and been more interesting. So you get you you go back to a point where essentially you, you have the game over screen and the credits. Mm. And then you very quickly realise that there's something not right about it. And it, it then dissolves back into a world where the FBC is kind of under his control, but Jesse's working there in just a menial kind of office job. Yes. Now, how long did you clean cups and make copies? <laughs> not too long if i'm honest i think i did yeah you kind of do the tasks and then there's one pops up that you do that then kind of loads the next or triggers the next day kind yeah. of activity so that, uh, that whole... it must have been four or five days in game but it wasn't long overall it's about about 10 15 minutes probably the whole section last yeah, full yeah, stop. yeah something like that yeah now i think that would have been really interesting if they'd have made it less clear that it was still the hiss invasion if 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 I came into that section, I was genuinely thinking, oh my God, has this whole thing with me being the director been some kind of weird 
fever dream or or something mm. like that if they genuinely made me start to question was any of that actually real or happening i think that could have been a lot more interesting and also yeah. if they'd if they'd not telegraphed the way out of it with the with the obvious you know take this to the director task yes. And seen how long people could carry on doing perhaps a, a wider selection of menial tasks, thinking they were they were getting somewhere when actually you could do that on an infinite loop before you realise. <laughs> I think that could have been really interesting. Could have been quite like, funny as well. Yeah, as it was, it was quite clear this is this is something I need to work through. But I think given how much the game plays on psychology and everything else actually it would have been it would be really interesting to try and make yeah. people think you know is is was that all fake and is this real yeah i don't know that, that could that could have been it could have been a really nice way of doing it um because that that whole concept of it just being a normal job for people is always touched on all the way through every person you encounter this this isn't i mean jesse's running around doing the tasks on her own but there are people in this building lots that you encounter and talk to and have have proper lives and jobs and the documentation runs across that and the like the the you know the banter that goes backwards and forwards in the office as well as the standard reports and then the the wall of names of people who've died on the job uh, when they've lost people because of not being able to contain these events and it's really it really does feel like a proper government organization and yes that that piece at the end which almost has jesse as a cog in the machine could have been played very differently uh, speaking of of um <laughs> speaking of almost endings let's, let's talk about the actual <laughs> end of the game yeah so the the actual end we're deep. We're deep in spoiler territory now, so I think yeah. you know it's it's uh, it's a little bit anticlimactic, isn't it? the The relationship between Jesse and her brother is is played on through the whole game, and it's it's her driving force. It's it's what pushes the game along. And there's a really interesting bit where you do you don't rescue him, you go to rescue him. And then it's all like, "Hey, your brother's here. It's fine." Yeah, <laughs> so you go, you, you, you go and see him. And then, did you did you just sit there and talk to him during that part? Yeah, I think about I did. his dreams. Yes, yeah, I think I did. So because because there's 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 worth pointing out. This very late on, um, there's branching dialogue to a degree, isn't there? In in the game, there's actually quite a yeah. You, you don't lose the opportunity to ask anything, but um, it's your choice whether you want to delve deeper or not, and. Yeah, I went and had a good chat with him. If there's anything that didn't work very well for me, it was their relationship because she hadn't seen him in so long. They both had different agendas. Obviously, she's been yeah, very much. Look yeah. him. He's got he's something completely different, and and I don't think the relationship played out very well there. So it wasn't in, as involved, and maybe that's why the ending was a little bit anticlimactic. Yeah, exactly. So it, it I mean, you read all the documents and you do. You, the story that plays out between them, you do get the impression that they are people who have clearly been forced apart, and they're not—they're mm. not here for any kind of, you know, loving reunion. Well, I, I, I suspect Jesse would have appreciated that at a point, well, but she comes to realise that's probably not. Yeah, but this is one thing that I—I I wondered about. So Jesse's brother has been taken when they were kids after this AWE in their hometown in the dump. And she's been on the run since that point, hiding and trying to find him. And it's taken all this time. He was taken as a replacement director. 
was because he had the potential. So that's what they were doing, and then they were training yeah. them to be directors. Uh, they had another one who was failed. Uh, from the ones that you see, I presume there are more. Uh, and then they had one that they constantly referred to as not being able to capture, and that's yeah. Jesse. Yeah, yeah. As the alternate director. And when you kind of get through that story arc and it's there before you hit the end of the game, you do begin to think that actually her being there to rescue her brother is not her free will to be there and rescue her brother. Her entire life has been her training to be the director that she becomes. Yeah. And she has been guided into that. And actually, it it almost feels. It's interesting you say that because I, I, it almost feels like the brother is just the carrot dangling on the stick. It's ultimately once you have hit the ability level or skill level or knowledge level required, when you can find this building on your own, you are ready to be the director. And that that kind of feels what it is. And she's brought there at the right time to be in the right place and serve that role. Yeah, and there's an interesting document that kind of tracks her movement across the country. Actually, so you realise that she's been watched the whole yes. the whole time, and they knew exactly that she was coming. And, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're right; it was anticlimactic. You you get to the end of the game, and you you go through an entire section at the end where you're killing waves of enemies, and you you get this you know oh, director director level power you know oh, charge. Yeah. Where you ever all the animals are like level all the enemies are like level thirty five or level thirty six, and you're it's just like they're about ten times higher than you've been dealing with the entire game, smashing them apart absolutely. Uh, and you you fight your way to your brother, uh, who is there kind of controlling the hiss at this point, and you think this is it. Here we go, and then the game ends. <laughs> <laughs> it does. That's credits roll. That's it. And you know the quote of the day: "What the fuck." <laughs> It does. There's, uh, there's no final confrontation. Do you? Did you hug him? Is that it? Do you, do you hug him? You touch no, you, him? You like? Whatever. You try and yeah. You try and oh, you you try and, trim. Uh, and... You, you try and cleanse him, don't you? That was it. You, oh, you that's try it. You cleanse, cleanse him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, cleanse, cleanse his aura. But um, <laughs> yeah. And then the game just ends, and you're like, wait, hold on. Are they doing the? Are they doing the fake ending? Fake out twice? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. Oh no, they mean it this time. Okay. That's it. That's it. We're done. And you're like. Yeah, you you just back. Oh, and now you can go and explore and do all those side missions you missed. And it it chucks a couple of extra missions in after the end game, but that is yeah, that's it. And you're just a bit oh, I wanted more. I did. I wanted more. I wanted a lot more. Yeah, it didn't. And don't get me wrong, it didn't feel short at no point. But and that's probably because I've spent so much time reading bloody documents. It didn't <laughs> feel it didn't feel short by any means, but. It just felt like you said the ending was just really anticlimactic because I was expecting and dreading. I was dreading a big boss yeah, yeah. fight with him. Uh, yeah. And then you're just like, ah, oh, cleanses or he's fine. Well, he's not. He's in a coma. But yeah, that was it. So that was that was a bit of a shock. I won't even say it was disappointing. It was just weird. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was. Uh, and yeah, and then and then that's it. You just you're left thinking about the story and quite frankly, just wanting to explore more of what you've not seen and find out more about the building, do that director's job because they're still invaded by the hiss. You've still got all that stuff to do. Uh, and face it, any any workplace that has safety shelters for six occupants at a time in virtually Massive. every yeah. department 
that's got to be a place to go and find out so, what's going on. It's so also you, a warning sign. Never, ever work in a place that yeah. has emergency shelters in almost every department. So if you've not seen the game, it's basically like a giant steel door, <laughs> which opens very, very slowly when you press the button. It's about and, three feet thick, isn't it? And, yeah, and essentially it's just like a small safe room inside. And yeah. every time I pressed the button to open one, I thought, there's going to be something in this one, isn't there? There's going to be some kind of hideous yeah. monster inside this one. And it never happened. <laughs> Which was quite lucky. <laughs> but I, but even now, every time I open one, even if I've been in it before, there's still part of me that thinks, they're going to have done it in one, right? Just to, just to yeah. really f*** with people. So, yeah. No, no, no. It's... It- <laughs> It's such, I think, at times a hard game to describe, uh, and which is why, you know, knocking on to about 50 minutes, we are still trying to figure out ways to describe it because it is a third-person shooter. It's an adventure game. It's a paranormal story. It's a sci-fi story. But it's unlike really anything else. It's also, it's also a mystery. It's also about family. It's, yeah, it's, you know. it, it's like, the X-Files meets Fringe and a bit of Max Payne. It, you know, that's, a lovely, that's a lovely description, actually. Yeah. It's all the, it, all the best bits of the X-Files and Quantum Break. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we mentioned earlier about watching videos. I love the fact that they've took their learnings of the live-action stuff from Quantum Break, which people weren't overly enamoured with a lot of the time but have implemented them seamlessly into this. There's no video loading. There's no cutout to watch one. They're just playing on screens in front of you in real time and have a beautifully screwed up vibe to some of them. What's yeah. the, oh, what are the freaky, what's the freaky kids show? The Threshold Kids. Oh, the Threshold Kids. That is like, that's like Terror Hawks meets Nightmare on Elm Street. It is frightening. It's horrific. It really is Awful. Did you find the document that explains why it was made as well? I might not have done because I can't remember if I can't think think of a reason. I think I'd seen one or two episodes by this point, and I was like, "This is awful. Why does this exist? What is this? What is this thing?" And it it, basically, it turns out there's a document somewhere that describes the fact that essentially they've taken Dylan, and it doesn't mention Dylan, but you piece it together from, you know, essentially. They've come into the possession of a child at some point after some AWE, and they need to educate him somehow. And hey, you know, puppet shows are a great way of educating kids. And 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 these are not child-friendly puppets. This is it, essentially. Yeah, the the whole the threshold kids thing was basically designed to teach this poor boy who's been taken against his will and held in this government facility, teach him uh, about the dangers of. of altered world events and objects of power and stuff, and you think, "Oh my god, this is this is like Sesame Street." If if we were on the ship from Event Horizon, <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> so yeah, it so I still no, having nightmares oh, about Threshold Kids. <laughs> it's it's the fact it's got brilliant touches like that that are so horrible uh, and and just plain evil but well intentioned that. It just makes it. It does. It's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And without doubt, I'm I'm I actually haven't done it yet. 
But now we have the time scale for the extra content. I mean, for the season pass, because I just oh, want to do. Yeah. I just want to yeah. explore more. I just want to experience more of this absolutely crazy world. Do you know Nick? Uh, Nick Case. I'll give him a quick shout out from Laps Gamer. We we were talking about this um, on Messenger, and one of the, one of the things he said, which was actually a genius idea, um, he said, "I just I would just love all of the documents in a book that I could flick through oh. at my leisure." Oh yeah. Oh yes, yes, actually, yeah, that would work really well. Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah, if you're listening, buy two copies. You 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 would definitely be getting one for Christmas. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Now, uh, control. Absolutely fair to say, it is not the highly polished cover shooter that you think it is. It's not a cover shooter. It just doesn't. No, it's it's not. It's not. Yeah. Cover. There is there is a lot of combat, but actually, I think that is there just. I hate to say, it, but I think that is there just for padding a lot of the time. You know, and really is, to make it feel I... like you you you're working to something because actually, this game is about the story and discovery. This is the way I feel about it. A lot of video games use collectibles and documents as a way to kind of fill portions between you know, the combat sections. So Uncharted is a, a pretty good example yes. of that, right? This one uses combat sections as a kind of way to fill out between going and finding the next lot of documents for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, It's it, no, it's, it's a great game. It's got a lot of good content afterwards. Uh, as well, some of the more difficult content is is actually after the end of the game. When you're fully leveled up, it does become even more of a challenge. Uh, but it has a whole host of surprises and puzzles, and and it's just really, really well done. I I loved it. I loved it from start to finish, and I whipped through it probably faster than any other game this year for the for the yeah. length of game. I've completed games faster than that, but they've been shorter games. So this one, I've I've just wanted to go back and play more and more. Yeah, same here. And it's uh, yeah, it's well worth it. And uh, you know, we're doing a podcast on it, so it must be. But it's, it's be the only thing that's kept me up until like two o'clock in the morning, anytime recently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, excellent. So if we haven't completely ruined it for you, or we have completely ruined it, and actually you still fancy going and playing it, then uh, yeah, go and buy it, play it, enjoy it. Um, if you disagree with anything we've said, let us know. If you agree with anything we've said, let us know. If you disagree, we'll just send the Federal Bureau of Control after you. Lock you in the panopticon. <laughs> Make you watch the fridge. kids. <laughs> with the fridge. Yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, we've we've listened to your uh, we've listened to your feedback and we'd just like you to sit there and watch that fridge. Thanks. <laughs> yes. Oh no, superb. Uh, thanks very much for listening to our ramblings for the last uh, Thanks yeah, thanks for indulging us about an hour. That's very much, that was very, it was very indulgent of us. But do you know what? It was great. I love that game and I could talk about it for longer. <laughs> and uh, we will be back with the Code of Momentum update for September. That'll be our next podcast. Uh, so we will have Ali back with us then and we'll run through what's happened, where everybody's on the leaderboard. And yep. uh, yeah, maybe, maybe announce if we decided to do anything special for October. Oh, there's a nice idea. Well, I'm doing something special for October, but I'm not sure anybody else well, wants not, to help with that. I don't think you can have momentum points for, for that one. I think your wife <laughs> oh, can. Oh, come on. I think, you know, 
If, if Lucy gives birth in less than 12 hours, I will give her 500 bonus points. If it takes longer than that, I think arguably she deserves more. <laughs> of what, like an extra 100 points for every hour? I think Rose Rose took something like 36, so uh, let's not let's not go I there. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, so we'll be back with the Momentum Update. And, uh, yeah, speak to you all soon. Head over to codecmoments.com if you actually want to read the control review. Um, or have a look at anything else that's on the site. Hit me up at Codic Moments on Twitter, or get in touch with Andy at Clinical Andy on Twitter, and we'll be talking to you again soon. Definitely will. Bye. Bye. Bye.